This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to That's a Hard No, the podcast about learning to say no and set boundaries to live our best lives. I'm your host, Heather Drago. You may think because of this podcast that I'm a boundary setting expert, but I'm not. I'm an expert at struggling to set boundaries. But you know what? I'm working on it and it is getting easier. Follow along with me as I learn from fellow strugglers and experts so that you too can start saying no without feeling fear, guilt, or FOMO. Day is finally here, ladies and gentlemen, the marketing-focused episode we've all been waiting for, or at least I have. Who's ready for a thrilling conversation about click-through rate optimization and the churn rate on B2C target spends from last quarter? Just kidding. I won't bore you with all the nerdy details of marketing that I love. I do, however, want to share all of the ways I run into setting boundaries in my line of work. It's not all designing websites and taking cute headshots, though we do plenty of that. Marketers often run into some real moral gray areas. How specific do I make my targeted advertisements? Women between the ages of 18 to 35 is surely broad enough not to criticize, but nowadays, I could send my boutique coffee mug straight to the Instagram feeds of female coffee-enjoying college students whose parents make more than 100K a year and live in Toledo. Is that too far? And how do we ethically participate in social media marketing when we know how damaging all the various platforms have been on individuals, relationships, and society at large? And what about AI and all the new marketing hacks that seem to pop up every week? As marketers and people, we're often faced with these ethical, moral, and yes, even strategic questions. What works and what works without hurting other humans? Where are the boundaries that each of us should set? And even if you set aside the work itself, the marketing industry is hyper-competitive, hyper-volatile. Folks are always trying to underbid, to outwork you for those great projects. I know I'm supposed to set a healthy boundary around working too much, but will I miss out on business opportunities? I know I'm supposed to have a healthy relationship to failure and rejection, but when you work so hard to even have the option to make a proposal, it's difficult to stay off the emotional roller coaster. These are issues I'm working on all the time, and it's not always easy. To help guide us through these turbulent waters is today's guest, Jay Schwedelson. He's the founder of Subjectline.com, 
the CEO of Outcome Media and one of the top marketing experts in the industry today. He guides organizations on their marketing strategies across multiple industries and navigates these dire moral straits with regularity. Jay, it's so nice to meet you. I'm such a fangirl. I <laughs> I listen to your podcast religiously. I read your weekly newsletter, or actually maybe more than weekly. Um, I use your subjectline.com and I've taught all my people to use it. Um, I share it with my clients all the time. Um, so I just, I'm really excited to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. I, uh, I'm excited to talk. I love what you're doing. I love kind of the mission of this uh, podcast. So uh, thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So so let's start with this question. It's kind of heavy. Uh-oh. <laughs> what is ethical marketing and how do we go about our work with the well-being of both our clients and other humans in mind? It's kind of big, kind of heavy. Go where you is want. A big, it is a big, heavy one. Um, you know, I think that there's really two sides of it. You know, there's some pieces of marketing where people raise their hands and they say, yes, I want to sign up and, and, and hear from a brand. I want to buy from a brand. I want to get on their newsletter list. And, and, and in that, in that space, um, it is respecting the agreement that the brand is made with the person, you know, that that Mm -hmm. brand is going to live up to their end of that bargain. And to me, that's the ethical piece. Are you, are you, are you living up to your end of the bargain? And that's, I would say, a little easier to do when somebody's raising their hand, showing their interest. I think the more difficult ethical side of marking is uh, we're just inundating people in every every corner of their lives. And when is it uh, acceptable? And when is it not? And and by the way, we happen to be heading into a presidential election year. Yeah, and get the ready. Inundation <laughs> is going to be regardless of who you like or don't like yeah. or whatever. The idea of ethical marketing is going to go out the window because it's just going to be nonstop marketing. Oh, yeah. I live, I happen to live in a swing state in a highly contentious county. And we years ago switched our phone to a Google Voice and then have no phone in our house because all those robocalls go there. Like we just couldn't take it anymore. And the amount of direct mail, the amount of stuff that ends up in the recycle bin is bananas. And um, I just feel like marketers in general, even now, before all that craziness starts, it's just like this constant barrage and there's so much noise. Everybody's losing the signal. Like there's just, it's hard to make out anything. And um, I think it's damaging to people. I think people are really overwhelmed, overstimulated. I'm finding myself a lot of the time thinking about how frequently do we want to be doing things? How often do we want to be sending messages out? You know, yeah, and I actually think it's going to get worse. And the reason I think it's going to get worse, and not to get technical or anything like that, but um, you know, Google is very soon going to be eliminating our ability to do cookie tracking on people. Yeah, and you know, for the listeners that don't really know what that means, right now, the way that you're able to get targeted. Uh, ads delivered to you, uh, whether it's on YouTube or banner ads or uh, as you travel around the internet or on your phone, is through the ability for cookies to basically track you. And that's been the way the internet's operated for the last 20 some odd years. Mm -hmm. But that's going away. And the reason I think that that's going to really impact what I would call the ethical side of marketing is marketers won't be able to target the same way. So what they have to do is they have to do more of this shotgun approach and more often 
And so the inundation uh, that we're going to feel is going to, I think, be overwhelming in the next few years. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think AI has something to do with it. And I wouldn't say AI is the problem. I would say the uh, marketer's lazy misuse of AI. (laughs) There are ways to use it. There are levels of it. I can't tell you how many emails I get a day, literally a day, from the same type of company offering me the same kind of thing. It's all written terribly and it all sounds the same. And I can tell it's all AI generated. And it's just, it's it's so disrespectful. Like literally 10, 20 times a day. I'm just like, delete, 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 delete. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. So recently you had an, uh, just on your do this, not that, which part made me kind of think, oh, this is a good kind of boundary setting. It's like you're saying, literally, don't do that. Right. Um, you were talking about when is the best time to send an email, right? right? And and you kind of like helped gradually step back and say, these are human beings. If someone is a, you know, in the in a certain industry like cleaning services or a contractor, mm-hmm. they're going to get up earlier in the morning and yeah. read their email way earlier than someone who's like a financial investor on wall street or something right and it's literally just like putting yourself in people's shoes um what are other ways that you feel like marketers can do that you know in general i think that we get caught up with uh okay i'm i'm marketing to you know government professionals so i need to speak a certain way i'm marketing to hr executives i need to speak a certain way i'm marketing to grandparents uh or this or that and we we don't consider that it's a person. You know, they woke up, they had a cup of coffee, they're <laughs> dropping their kids off, you know, they're stressing out about their mortgage payment. They're just people, right? right. And the, the marketing that resonates with us is this human-to-human, you know, dialogue. Uh, to me, it's ironic, for example, let's say in email marketing, um, the emails that are that have the most, let's say, ridiculous subject lines. Right, that are most the most mm-hmm. poorly written thing, that have almost misspellings or capitalization where they shouldn't be, and grammatical mess. They'll do better than just the most serious, most formatted stuff because we feel like, wow, this is connecting with me, you know, as a person. An actual human and wrote this. It, yeah, exactly. And I also think mm-hmm. that's why one of the things why you know influencer marketing has exploded and is exploding in every corner of marketing. Where, where human beings, I mean, yeah, you have big influence. Okay, Kim Kardashian will say, do this. And okay, that's that's one kind of influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. But the micro-influencers out there are really driving marketing in a big way right now. And it's because they're saying, hey, listen, I've tried this thing. Mm-hmm. I really like it. You should try it too. And that's the world that we live in. It's it's similar to, you know, when you go to go uh, order an Uber, you're looking at what that rating is before you get in the car. Right. You know, when you're going to go out for dinner, you're going to look at Yelp to see what did everybody else say before you get in there. So this this social proofing, this collective thinking, and mm-hmm. and us treating each other as human beings in all of our marketing, it's what's working and resonating. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, we have a client that is a, uh, it's a thrift store chain in multiple states. And um, we've been doing influencer marketing for the past two and a half years and kind of increasing as we've learned, you know, and it it was kind of new when we started. So it was, we kind of were figuring it out as we went along. And what we have found is that the, the micro influencers, the mom who goes to this thrift store all the time Mm -hmm. and is getting stuff for her kids or 
the the stay-at-home mom with a very low income who's struggling and just barely making it and showing how you can still have, you know, a quality life. Like we find those have the most impact and um, draw the most engagement than than the bigger names that cost us a lot more money. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's really that human touch, that like struggle. We're all struggling. We're all just trying to make do, you know? It's all about being relatable, you know? Yeah. And authentic. It, and authentic. And it's, it, by the way, it's that way, uh, uh, whether you're marketing to consumers or you're marketing True. to business professionals or you're trying to build your own personal brand. Right. Mm-hmm. If you were to go on, you know, LinkedIn or whatever and say, I won this award, I'm doing great things. It's like, who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. What it's really about is, hey, I struggled with this thing. I figured out something. You might benefit from this too, mm-hmm. where you're sharing more, you know, realness. Um, yeah. That is what we crave. You know, it's also interesting what we're seeing is the type of content that we're seeing work better than any other type of content for businesses in general is what we call day in the life content, where Mm -hmm. let's say you're a plumber, you know, you literally are videoing yourself. I'm going to go to this house and try to fix this uh, uh, faucet that's not working. And then you come out and say, I fixed it. It's not a big deal. You should, you know, check out. It's really easy to fix. Or I'm a hairstylist or, or whatever. We love this day in the life content because it makes us feel connected, makes us feel like a human being. And it doesn't feel like we're just being, you know, sold a song that we have to remember and some sort of logo and some sort of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. There are all these YouTubers in all these crazy niches you never knew existed that once you start, then YouTube starts showing them all to you. (laughs) But there's like, there's a niche of people who do lawn work going to homes where like there's an elderly person and everything's overgrown and they just like clean up their yard for free. And the videos are like two and a half hours long. And they have millions of views. And it's yeah. like, and I think people have them on in the background while they're doing work or whatever, but it's like so incredible. Like they just want to see that human experience. And it's just very satisfying to see, you know, somebody help someone else or whatever. 100%. Um, and like that's what this company is doing to market their lawn maintenance services. It's hilarious to me, but it's very effective. Yeah, and they're probably crushing it because yeah, absolutely that is the content that is how we feel comfortable, right? You know, right. and and um, you know, I years ago you would print out brochures and try to hand them out to people. Who does that anymore? You don't do that. You know what I mean? That's not yeah. where we're at. You point the phone at yourself. You're like, this is what I'm doing. You post it, and you're like, great, yeah. and that's it. I don't think we've designed a brochure in like five years. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when someone hands me one, I'm like, oh, wow, look, a trifle brochure. Hello, 1996. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's even like business cards. I, I, don't, I haven't had a business card. I don't know in how many years. Oh, no, I'm all about the business card. I you Because lo- I'm a nerd. I love the paper. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I'm, But I'm also, I have an art background. So I oh, get into oh, the, all that nerdy, arty stuff. Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is like a 100-pound paper. This is really cool. Well, I'm, and like, I'm like, what's that coating? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dork. yeah. You're, you're cool. That's really a party <laughs> no. right there. I'm a dork. Um, <laughs> I'm a dork too, but I don't know anything <laughs> about paper stock or anything. Um, okay, so like we touched on a little bit with the YouTube and stuff. Like, yeah. so social media—it's like a big thing. As of this recording, there have been like congressional hearings about the impact of social media on on younger people. We know it, it's hurting attention spans. It's contributing to depression and isolation and stuff. I know I struggle all the time with how much to participate on social media. Um, Do you struggle with that at all? Is that something that 
crops up in your work? Uh, well, personally, um, look, first of all, I, I think one of the problems is, is that social media is not going anywhere. Right. Right. Absolutely. So this idea of, oh, TikTok can get banned or this, I, that, 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 that's not going to be not real. Gonna it, it's going to right. It's part of our life. It's part of all of our, uh, uh lives for sure. Um, mm-hmm. so, and it can be super toxic. Um, I try very hard for myself. Uh, I think haters, I don't like haters. Uh, yeah. that's the, that's the thing that bothers me the most. And the not, what I've done in my haters. own life is I don't, I tune them out. I could care less. I really could care less. To me, if somebody's a hater, um, they have their own issues. Yep. Uh, and I think that that, uh, if you're going to be somebody that shares on social media, that is the first thing you shouldn't share on social media until you've wrapped your mind around that because they're going to come for you. Yeah, don't um, read the comments. Don't it, read the comments. Read, read the positive ones. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, very exactly. good at blocking people. I'm exceptionally yeah. good at blocking people. <laughs> Um, and don't, and and I'm a big fan of not letting the loudest voice in the room dictate whatever it is that I'm doing, Right. because what happens is I could get in a hundred nice things. Somebody say a hundred nice things, but you get one bad one that says, you know, you're an idiot. And that's the one that sticks with you. And then you tend to want to react to that and change your path. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I shouldn't be posting this much, or I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, Or maybe uh, they're uh, right. and, And, but you can't do that. Because right. that's not indicative of, of of your audience or everybody you're marketing to or everything, so it's really important to not let that loudest voice uh, uh, change your course or change your path or change what you're thinking. Uh, and I think that that is it's hard to do, but I wouldn't get involved in social media until you can have your mind right about that. Yeah, I also think it's important to prioritize and understand why you're doing it. Yeah. So we've really pulled back on certain platforms because I'm mm-hmm. like, well, that's not really, we're on certain platforms for the podcast. Yeah. We're not on those same platforms for the agency because I'm not going to get customers that way. That's not where right. they are. And I'm only doing, I, I well, I have two reasons why I like, I don't go on Facebook. One, I just think the platform is garbage. I have ADHD. Yeah. It's overwhelming. They keep adding things like games and videos and stuff I am not interested in. Um, and that I find overwhelming and I end up in rabbit holes and an hour goes by and I'm like, what the, um, yeah. and then the other reason is, you know, how much of it is just vanity? Like, oh, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't need to share with everyone what I made for breakfast. I don't, no one cares. No. No, <laughs> and no, I no, often I told, say to people on their that. websites, like we do a lot of websites, I, I often say, stop talking about yourself. Nobody cares about you. They care about their problem and they're there to figure out if you can help them. So, so where do you share? What is your primary platform? Um, for the for for the agency, it's primarily LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. For the podcast, we're on YouTube and we do a lot on Instagram. But I also find we get more engagement and more interest on LinkedIn. So even though we're talking about mental health, yeah, you know, I came to this whole thing as a business owner, and I'm finding that it's other business owners who are engaging with us and saying, oh, my God, yes. Or I just had a post recently where I shared an episode and I talked about failure, and I've gotten so many interesting comments and feedback about that because who hasn't? Who hasn't experienced failure, especially if you're a business owner? 100%. No, I I think, first of all, failure is the most relatable topic because (laughs) we all have failed. We fail every day and we're, we're, we're scared of failure. And I do agree with you. LinkedIn, to me, 
um, is the best social platform on the planet for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's a billion people on there now. So if you're not really active on it, you should be. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, everybody's very nice on LinkedIn. That's right. The trolling doesn't happen for there. Each other. Yeah. Yeah. You don't I think because we all know how same... hard we're working and we're yeah. all trying. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird because like you could put the same post on Facebook or Instagram or what whatever X or whatever, and you'll get uh, really some weird comments. You put it on LinkedIn and everyone's like rooting for you. Yeah, or, like, everyone's encouraging the best for you. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really strange. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. And so I love that. I do too. There's a um. I'm kind of involved in a, a sort of a mastermind group of mm-hmm. other agency heads. And one of them in this group recently posted and he, and he said, you know, I don't normally post about personal stuff. It's usually all professional, but I, you know, experienced this loss, someone I cared about. And he just talked about losing this person in grief. And this was a professional colleague, but they had been friends for many years. And I think he was worried he was going to be like, this is not appropriate for LinkedIn. And everybody just rallied around him. And I, because who hasn't experienced that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that LinkedIn is really bleeding over to our lives in general. Yeah. Uh, Once in a while, you'll post something personal and then you'll get a comment that'll be like, this is a professional network, whatever. And that person gets a big block from me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. That's setting uh, a boundary right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. Um, So to me, it's it's probably from an ethical or from a uh, 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 just a good making you feel or organically good experience. Mm -hmm. I think LinkedIn is is fantastic. I'm like you. I haven't posted something on Facebook, gosh, in maybe 10 years. Um, and oh, I well, barely you got me go on it. I like yeah. the groups. The groups are good there. Other groups, than the groups. You know. We find as marketers, groups are where it's at. Yeah. Groups, that's where people make authentic recommendations. They're uh, totally. networking with each other. Um, I have a friend who has a small business and just started it last year. And her entire marketing strategy is going into Facebook groups and participating. And that's how she's driven business. And she has so much business. She doesn't know what to do with it. It's incredible. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The groups are where it's at for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you're a guy who has a lot of pet peeves. Mm, Yes. I hear them on your podcast and I appreciate them. (laughs) Um, top three pet peeves of marketing that you feel like people shouldn't be doing. Oh, wow. Um, I think that probably my number one that's always in my brain is marketers rely on, like, they'll Google what are the best practices for whatever. And they'll Google it. They'll find some sort of random, you know, PDF they could download or something, whatever. And then they will march around with, this is the best practice for this thing. And invariably, that information is old. I don't care what the date on it is. It's old. It's outdated. And instead of them finding out for themselves yeah. and testing and trying, they live by this Bible of stupidity. Um, and so that's that's a huge, huge pet peeve of mine. I agree. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I would say it's the best practice for that person at that time for some yeah. people. Like it's right. not – we don't know. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Any other? Well, what's one of yours? I have a pet peeve of – a, people talking about themselves too much on their websites. And the other one is assuming everybody's already heard half the conversation. People who already make the assumption you know who they are. And so they don't actually describe what they do. They don't really, you know, like it's 
And so you're, you know, you're not everybody's John Deere. Everybody knows what John Deere does. Right. I don't know what you do. So I find that very annoying. Um, I also really hate it when people don't proofread their work. And so uh -oh. how many times have I gotten an email? You'll appreciate this. I'll wait for where me. it says, no, 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 not you. You're, uh -oh. you're yeah. it's like dear bracket, first name oh, yeah. bracket. Like they didn't test the email, like test and proofread your work. I feel yeah. like if someone's paying you to do marketing, don't be sloppy. I just have no patience for that. Well, I think one of my other pet peeves is something that I am struggling with, okay, which is so bad, which is following up. Oh, um, yeah. I don't think people do a good job of following up. And I am right now in like, I'm the worst follow-up zone of my life, I think, right now. And so I am a victim. I am, I am doing the pet peeve. But I think in general, nobody follows up with each other anymore and they don't do a good job of it and it drives me bananas. And by the way, anybody listening, I'm supposed to follow up with them really so. <laughs> you know what? That's a really good place to stop for a second. Okay. Because I think I think that ties into like how busy we are as business owners yes. and entrepreneurs. And um, so let's take a break and we'll circle back to that. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I was just so excited to talk with Jay, and I hope you can appreciate his grounded approach to work and life from our conversation. Something that really struck me about talking with him was how strong his sense of right and wrong is in all aspects of his life, not just the marketing side. I brought it up with him later, but I really used to string myself out. If a client of mine asked to chat at 9 p.m., I'd probably say yes before this whole journey was saying no and setting boundaries. And Jay's response to that was, rightfully so, to be shocked. It's super clear how much he values the power of saying no and sticking up for yourself. His perspective on work, on life, and on personal growth are super valuable. Whether it's his business, his family life, managing burnout, there's really a powerful message in there. Jay believes, and I believe, that you can only do right by people by doing right by yourself. Now back to the interview. Okay, so let's follow up on following up. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, this is a problem I struggle with all the time as a business owner. I can't tell you in my leads, you know, CRM, how many people I need to get back to with proposals and it weighs right. on me. And then, you know, three or four different client fire drills happen and I blink and it's Friday again. Like, what the? Exactly. Um, and I think we all struggle with that. I have a, a someone who's proposal I owe to them, um, <laughs> who has a problem just following up with people that she did a consultation with, or maybe she worked with them a year ago and they definitely could use her services again a year later, has no way to follow up with them. I think right. we all struggle with this as business owners. Oh, uh, I mean, it's horrendous. And the irony is, uh, what do we do on the flip side? Instead of doing great follow-up, we're like, well, how do we get more business? Let's keep on yes. pushing our marketing out there. Yeah, Let's keep yeah. prospecting and, yeah. and and reaching out. And like, meanwhile, if you stop pushing and prospecting, you literally focused on all the opportunities that were, you're supposed to be following up on, mm -hmm. you do really well. And yeah. I, I, I do this too. I this is the problem yeah. I deal with too. Yeah. And uh, um, it, I, I think if you could prioritize following up, I think it'd be the, the most game changer thing you could do for your business and for you personally, because like you just mentioned, you have this proposal, you need to get somebody, right? I guarantee you that's been sitting in your mind, you know, oh, it weighs for on an inordinate amount of time, yeah, right? Yeah. And ultimately, it won't even take you that long to do it. 
the no. amount of time in your brain is taking it longer than than the actual doing part. And that's yeah. that's yeah. the irony of it all. Yeah. 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 And it's it's not like I'm actually going out looking for more opportunities, but things happen. Things fall into your lap. Yes. Life happens. And um, but you're right, like the the amount of real estate it takes in my brain as I'm doing other things or putting out fires. Um, honestly, it could have been done three times over. <laughs> yeah. And, and you so, know, it's funny you say that, that like things fall in your lap. You know, I'm on this new thing in my brain that I don't believe in, in attribution when it comes to marketing. You know, the big thing is attribution. You know, you, you, you did this marketing program and you got these customers in mm -hmm. type of thing. And I think the world that we live in now is that, you know, you, you're going to, you'll have this podcast, you'll put out some social posts, you'll do emails, you do other thought leadership stuff, you have one-to-one -one calls. And then, you know, let's say me, I circle back six months from now and I'm like, hey, we should be doing business together. I remember you do a lot with nonprofits or something like that because you mentioned that, whatever. And I just think it's this idea of, of just, just being real, being mm -hmm. out there, being yourself not doing things with an agenda, not mm -hmm. everything needs to have a call to action. Mm -hmm. And like you said, things kind of come your way. Um, I think that that's really the path for, for marketing, unless you're like, you're selling socks or something. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think if we like, as you were saying, like focus on following up, like if we just turn around and face the other way, yeah, just turn back and look at yeah. people. And I think it's, and I think it's what it, it's common with marketing is like the best um, results are from relationship building. Absolutely. And, um, and follow through. Yeah. Like seriously. Right. In all aspects of your life too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I know you're a really busy guy. You've got a lot going on. You've got we this all gu guru media with all these events, which right. uh, my team has attended. I've been, oh, I've, uh, I if I can't attend, I'm like, Hey, go do this thing. Um, You've got your podcast, you've got the email thing, you, yep. you know, you're managing a lot. Right. Um, how do you do all that and not go bananas? Like, I know I've had to really learn to set boundaries around time and rest and all kinds of things. What, yeah, that's a really good it? question. So it's hard. And look, everybody's busy. We all have a million things going on and we have families and we have a personal life where you want sure. to try to have one and all this stuff. Um, I've gotten pretty good at uh, blocking out my 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 calendar, uh, mm -hmm. meaning that I do certain things at certain times and I lock in on that. Uh, I don't deviate. I don't like grab my phone and go on social media. Mm -hmm. I don't just respond to emails as they come in. I used to do that. I literally block out my calendar. Like, okay, I'm focusing on this thing for the next hour and that's yeah. it. Um, and I also um, try to end my day at a normal hour. And then when I end my day, unless there's some sort of real fire drill going on, that's it. I shut it down. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't kind of go back and look at my work stuff at nine, ten o'clock at night or anything right. like that. Right. Because if you don't, if you don't have a life outside of your work life, uh, then you're just not going to be a happy person. Right. And that doesn't work. So um, I also, I think the biggest thing is don't waste time. You know, yes, like really don't waste, don't waste time. Don't be like, Oh, I'll sit here and do this and kind of look at my phone or text this yeah. person, organize your day, maximize your time and you'll have time for everything you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think one of the big game changers for me years ago was to not check my email first thing in the morning. Yeah. I set my day, I sit down with a piece of paper and a pen yeah. and I say, these are the things on top of mind 
that I need to focus on today. And then around noon or one o'clock, I check my email. And then as long as I'm getting back to people within 12, 24 hours, I'm like, usually everything's fine. Unless there's a crazy fire drill. And now we have systems and I've hired some people to help me so that, you know, it's not always me with the fire hose. But you know what's interesting about that is I also think that you're training the people on the other end that you're communicating with. If somebody texts you or emails you and you instantly get back to them, that is the expectation they have from you. Mm -hmm. And then you have to live up to that expectation. So you're setting yourself up for failure, um, you know, by doing that. So I try hard to, you know, to be aware of that. And the other piece that I've really tried to start to do in the last 12 months is I carve out a chunk of time for for stuff I have no idea what it's going to be. Usually it's Fridays. I have a couple of hours. We'll have calls with people that I have no agenda. I'm not trying to get business from them. I just want to meet them. I want to say hello to them, or maybe I'll do a podcast or that or whatever, um, to just try to just have a, like, get to know people on a different level. Yeah. And just like relationship building and carving out time just for that has been fantastic. I love that. I love that. I have a, (laughs) so I have this color coded calendar and I have like purple, it means hold, like hold, don't book anything there. I need that time. So Friday is my hold time, but somehow things bleed over. (laughs) I end up doing podcast interviews or whatever. So I I do that. Um, Talking about training people what to expect. So I have this, uh, our terms and conditions of what it's like to work with us, what to expect when working with us, what your responsibilities are, what ours are. They're on a web page. It's kind of hidden on my website. And I share that with clients before they sign on. Cool. And it's and it's a it's a living breathing document that changes every time we have a problem. I'm like, how do we prevent this with terms and conditions, right? And so years ago, I used to have clients that would text me at 7 a.m. and say, "Hey, can you talk now?" Yeah. And I would say, "Yes." Like, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, Don't do that. You know, or they'd call me at seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night, and I would answer the phone. And so I had to put in, like, you can speak with us between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. By phone, or you can email us or text us. Uh, we will respond within 12 to 24 hours. Like we, we just had to make those guardrails clear. And uh, we have one client, this retailer we deal with, who sometimes, you know, they have, they're open till 9 p.m. and they're open right. on weekends. So I don't have to answer, but <laughs> there is, we have designated people who can reply. But um, yeah, I, I, years ago, I put those guardrails up. It's like, I'm not, I'm not a surgeon with a pager on call all the time, right? It's it's just a website. It's not someone's life on the line. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I learned it from my wife because my wife's a physician. People would just be, and she's a dermatologist. And so people would just nonstop be like sending her pictures of like, <laughs> what is this? You know? And texting her like, what is this? Well, oh, and, no. and, and, you know, after her first <laughs> few years, she's like, okay, I need to let people know I this ain't how it's going to be. You know, and I took so a, funny. I took something from that playbook because that's what was happening to me too. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And to your point, I love the fact that you have this terms and conditions about kind of how people can interact with you because I think it's super smart. I need to do that. Uh, because <laughs> I'll send you, you a link. You can copy. Yeah. No, it's a management <laughs> of expectations and then nobody gets pissed and that's right. good. Right, right. The the whole sending pictures of like moles and stuff. Uh, that reminds me of a, like someone hands you a milk carton and they go smell this. Anytime someone uh, says smell this, like nope, not interested. I'm never going to smell whatever it is. The the craziest <laughs> thing is like we'll go out to dinner 
And then people will walk up to our table and they'll no. be like, I'm so sorry to bother you. Can you tell me what this is? And I'm like, while you're eating, this is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is going on? I'm like, your job is gross. What does she do? Does she She's have a dermatologist? A- I, I do mean, what does she do at the dinner? Yeah. She'll be like, I, I have office hours. You know, please come to my office because. She doesn't yeah. even have her equipment. She's not like going right, to stop right, right. and be like, whatever. Yeah. And she's like, you know, and then they'll walk uh, away. And I'm like, what is that? She goes, people like, they don't, it's crazy. You know what though? You know what that is? And I feel like as marketers, we, we've kind of helped encourage this a little bit or pe- not uh, as marketers. I would say as people on social media, we're all used to an immediate response. Yes. Yes. It's that dopamine. I'm putting this out there. I want a sp- response now. I, if someone texts me and I don't text right away, there are a few people who will call me and go, "Did you get my text?" And oh yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, I got your text. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, I will answer your text when I'm ready. And they think, well, it's just one text, right? They don't realize that. Okay, that you're one, but there's others, right? <laughs> and so you're representative of a whole group. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So boundaries, I think, are critical. Yeah, absolutely. What are other pitfalls as a business owner that you learned about early on or let you um, advise other, you know, people starting out? Um, You know, I, and this is going to sound so bad. I know this is not going to come out right, but people, you know, I'll talk to people like, oh, I feel burnt out. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's it's overwhelming. You know, there's too much to always do. And my reaction to that a lot of times is, that's the way it's going to be. I know that's terrible. But mm-hmm. I, the reason I say that is that, you know, being a, if you are going to be a business owner, it's not always easy. You know, no, you're hard. dealing with the hardest with, thing I've ever done. Yeah, you're dealing with a lot. And I don't like the word burnout, but you are going to feel at times really, can I even handle this? And you'll have mm-hmm. imposter syndrome for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And I'll never forget. Uh, my my grandfather, he he said something that literally stuck with me forever, which was my favorite piece of advice. I was really struggling to feel like I felt like I'm inadequate and in everything I do, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know how to do this, whatever. And he he I was really having a down moment. And he put his arm around me and he said, Jay, he goes, stupider people than you have been able to do this. <laughs> and I was like, that's what I told what? my husband about parenting. Right. Exactly. Six and I'm like, billion people on this planet. We can you figure can it, it out. <laughs> and, and for some reason, I know it's terrible, but it's like, yeah, you know what? It's true. Yeah. And so this idea of imposter syndrome and and uh, you're all, everyone feels it every day mm-hmm. if you're a business owner for sure. Mm-hmm. And this idea of burnout, yeah, you want to get your life so it doesn't feel like it's horrific, but it's not going to be easy. And it's never going to be really easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just the reality of it. I know that that's yeah. not the right thing to say, but that's the truth. Yeah. We talk about burnout a lot on this podcast, but uh, two thoughts. One is it came to me an epiphany years ago that like, no matter how hard I work, how many hours I put in, how nice I am to people, A, there will always be more work. I could literally work 24-7 and there would always be something to do. And there will always be someone pissed at me because I didn't get back to them or do what they want right when they want it. No matter what I do, no matter how far I bend over backwards, right? And the other thing is that's imposter syndrome. So my friend, Jen Prohaska, who was just on our podcast, she's a friend of mine. She's who turned me on to subjectline.com. So I want to oh, give nice. full Thank credit. Hi, Jen. She's great, great copywriter, brand messages. You should hire her, everyone. Um, she um, 
years ago, we were sitting together. We were working in a co-working space and she came and she sat down next to me. And this was years ago. She's like, do you know what a UTM link? And I was like, no, what is it? And she's like, I don't know, but ask me in a week and I'll be an expert. And that is business ownership and marketing in a nutshell, right? Like what I tell clients is I'm not an expert in everything. I'm not. I'm an expert at learning things and figuring out how to apply them for you. Um, And so that got me over the imposter thing all the time. That or, no, that's not all the time, but I mean, no, that's a hundred percent right. Don't figure it out and test yeah, and try stuff. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of years ago when I started doing these virtual events, these big virtual events, I literally had no idea what I was doing, like <laughs> zero. <laughs> and um, I also would go around and ask people their advice, and they gave me epically horrible advice. They told me <laughs> not to do it. It's the oh, dumbest no. idea yeah. ever. But you just have to go and try and iterate mm-hmm. and and not be afraid to fail. And mm-hmm. that's how you succeed. It's, it's, you know, failing your way to success. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, we, we recently had an episode about um, falling forward. Just like yeah. as long as you're, as long as you're moving forward, it's okay to fall flat on your face. Just keep going. Right. That's how you learn. That's Listen, back your, to the your, failure conversation. Right. Your first podcast episode is going to be your worst. Your your first yep. workout is going to be your worst. Your first newsletter is going to be your worst. Yep. You got to have a worst before you have a best. That's yeah. just life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had a client show me like their old, their whole Instagram feed and they were like embarrassed about the beginning stuff. Oh, yeah. And I was like, she's like, should I delete it? I'm like, no, leave it in there. This shows, you know, your development right. as an organization. And I also have... People all the time who come to me and they and they say we need a new website or whatever and they're embarrassed about their website and they say I'm so embarrassed because all the stuff on there is outdated or whatever and yeah. I, and I and I constantly am saying that actually is a sign that you've grown that's a good thing it's a good thing you've outgrown your website it just means right. you've evolved and now you can do so much more and so it's just time it's it, there's no good or bad so totally I yeah. agree with that yeah absolutely Jay. You're doing all these things. Why don't you tell people more about you and what you're up to and how people can find you and all the cool things that you have to offer? Oh, that's very nice. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, everybody, some free stuff because free is really the most fun stuff. Um, so first <laughs> off, I do have a podcast. If you want to check it out, you probably just find it. Look under my name. It's called Do This, Not That, where we share stuff every single week, pretty short episodes, uh, all about marketing stuff and life. So that's a fun thing. Um, but then the other two big free resources I would, I would mention are subjectline.com. If you have anything to do with marketing, you can go to totally, subjectline.com. Totally agree. Use Everybody it. use that. Yeah. I love it. So it's free. You go there, you put your subject line in. It's kind of fun. It tells you how good or bad it is. It rewrites it for you using AI. So that's subjectline.com. Can I, can I pause for yeah. a moment? Yeah. And I don't think you need to rely on it all the time. It's a great teaching tool. I've used it's it with starter. young, it's it's like with young coordinators who are starting with us, like we use it as a tool to say, let me show you why this works. Let me show yeah. you why you should use an emoji or why, you know, like, right. like, and it's a, it's a, just a great tool to kind of like l- learn with. Well, so. I appreciate that. And it's a starting tool. It's not going to be like your perfect subject line or anything like that, that's going to write for you, mm-hmm. but it's raising people's really the whole point of the site is to raise people's awareness that it's an important part of your marketing. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, we've checked 15 million subject lines there. So that's pretty cool. Wow. And then sticking on the email thing, we do uh, we put on a really large free virtual marketing conference called Guru Conference. You can register for free at guruconference.com. It's the world's largest virtual email event. We had 20,000 people last year. We just literally opened up the registration today. 
Oh, wow. Cool. So, um, yeah, so it's free to register at guruconference.com. And if you want to know anything about me, you can just go to my full name, jschwedelson.com, and connect and find me on LinkedIn. And I love talking to people and connecting. So all yeah. that. Yeah. Cool. Any uh, last parting words about marketing, boundaries, life in general, pet peeves, whatever? I, I, I'll tell you, I think that what you're doing here is really valuable because so many other podcasts that are out there are like, okay, like mine, like do this or don't do that in marketing, whatever. And you don't really get the chance to take a deep breath and say, okay, uh, are we, is what we're doing, you know, right by people? Is it right by ourselves? Uh, is there a better way to kind of live your every day in this crazy, you know, world that we are operating in? So I think that you're really providing value uh, to the market. So I appreciate you including me. It's, it's awesome. Thank you so much, Jerry. That really means a lot to me. Well, thanks for coming on. Like one of my big things I can check off. Like oh. I got Jay on. This is cool. Yeah. So thank, thank you, you very, again. very much. I really appreciate you taking the time and um, sharing your insights with everyone. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so that's it for now. Thanks for listening. That's a Hard No is a production of Clever Girl Marketing, my little agency in Cleveland, in partnership with our friends at Evergreen Podcasts. Many thanks to our amazing team, including Maura Del Rosario, our production and marketing coordinator, Noah Fouts, our amazing producer, editor, and composer who wrote our theme music and performed it with his band, The Big Leagues, and our new video producer and editor, Kay Holmberg. You can find show notes and resources on our website, and you can find other fun stuff on our socials. We're Hard No Podcast, and we're now on YouTube, so check us out there. Make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite listening platforms, but especially Apple. Can you please do us a favor? Give us a rating and review so more people can find us and learn how to say no. So until next time, thanks for listening. And remember, saying no isn't just okay. Saying no is key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. So do it. Find your no, then say it with me. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.